Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, the Prime Minister faces a delicate balancing act as he unveils his new cabinet. What changes does he make, not just in terms of who's appointed to cabinet, but the portfolios themselves? Is he going to make any changes to try and give the West a bigger voice in some way since they don't have any seats in Alberta and Saskatchewan? What changes will we see in major portfolios? There could be some big names on the move. There's a lot of talk about Bill Morneau staying in place because I mean, in recent history, the tendency is to keep a finance minister in that role unless there's something big that happens. And what new faces will take on roles in major ministries? There will be new people occupying the roles of Minister of the Environment, Minister of Foreign Affairs, and that ever-important role of House Leader in a minority parliament. It's Wednesday, November 20th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, the Ottawa Bureau Chief of the Toronto Star. Good morning, Susan. Good morning, Mark. Happy Cabinet Day. Yes, it is an interesting day. It will be. Uh, Lots to talk about. We're starting to get some details already. Uh, It appears as though Christia Freeland will no longer be the Foreign Affairs Minister and instead will be Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Intergovernmental Affairs, which is an interesting switch. There hasn't been a Deputy Prime Minister under Justin Trudeau before. No, and um, it, it's uh, an interesting move back home for Krista Freeland, whose best work for this government has been done abroad, uh, especially on negotiating free trade or, uh, you know, jetting around the world. I, I I wrote a column about, oh, a year and a half ago, saying she already was the effectively the deputy prime minister. Uh, Trudeau seemed to rely on her to say things, especially in the context of Canada-U.S. relations, that he did not want to say. I think um, this government tends to shuffle cabinets according to external things, you know, things that are happening outside that happen to them. Um, And so Christopher Freeland in Intergovernmental Affairs and his Deputy Prime Minister says, one, that Trudeau is not the only guy in this cabinet anymore, that he is trying to diffuse some of his responsibility around, and two, that intergovernmental affairs and national unity are the biggest thing on this government's to-do list. So yeah. a, a fascinating move, if if true. I'm going to say if true. People, as we know, are always convinced that uh, that what they're hearing the night before a cabinet swearing in is true, but uh, I, I think everybody would just... It, Prime Ministers have been known to change their minds up until the last minute, too. So. Sure. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. Of course, what, what typically happens is the day before the cabinet shuffle or the installation of a new cabinet, uh, the the members of the cabinet are contacted by the Prime Minister, and then they turn around and tell their staff, and then some of those people end up telling others and that's how the details get out so that's why that's it all happens exactly in the last right. in the last 24 hours right that's exactly right yeah yep. i've heard stories before though i remember during the Chrétien years one cabinet minister told me that he came to ottawa got his assignment and he was at uh during the days before cell phones were ubiquitous uh was at uh, pearson airport and got another phone call to say that that his job had changed so you got to be careful who you tell and yeah. when you tell them it would be interesting, though, for Christia Freeland to go with uh, the challenge, to go from the challenge of, of dealing with the Trump administration to the challenge of dealing with Jason Kenney and Scott Moe and Doug Ford, right? Uh, there are some liberals who say that's not that different a job, um, that, uh, that uh, in both cases, 
tempers are running high, things are unpredictable, and there is a populist kind of wave behind both the forces in the United States and as we're seeing out West. So um, I think that Christopher Freeland's handling of the Trump folks, some people say that uh, she wasn't all that popular with the Trump administration, but that wasn't her job to make friends with them. Um, so seeing her with Jason Kenney, she is an Albertan. She's, uh, she's, uh, her family is out West. And I think anybody with any Western experience in their, in their background is going to be put front and center in this cabinet, uh, swearing into, expect to hear from Jonathan Wilkinson. We haven't heard a whole bunch about this guy. He's very quiet, low key. Yeah. A, um, but born in Saskatchewan, I actually ran into him a couple of weeks ago, and he was uh, reminding me that we had traveled around the country together as part of the Charlottetown constitutional negotiations uh, back in the 1990s, where he was one of the negotiators for Saskatchewan hmm. uh, and Roy Romano during those talks. So uh, expect John Wilkinson to step into something, and then I think we're hearing environment. Yeah. Uh, but 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 get used to hearing his name more. He's uh, he's low key, exactly what uh, the temper of these times needs. He's smart, and he's got um, a, a big solid background in Saskatchewan. He started out with the NDP uh, um, too, which is another interesting thing about him. Yeah. Meanwhile, François Philippe Champagne, who I don't think was even in the cabinet four years ago when it was first unveiled. Uh, is clearly a rising star who's been handed more and more responsibility since he did join the cabinet, uh, and now it appears will replace Christia Freeland as foreign affairs minister. It's a natural evolution in some respects because he was on the trade file. Um, so, uh, but but here's a guy who obviously the the prime minister has had growing confidence in. Exactly. He, uh, it, for people who have never met uh, Francois Philippe Champagne, I highly recommend you do. Uh, an utterly charming person, and uh, charm is what you need on the diplomatic circle. Uh, gets along with everybody, goes out of his way to be friendly to journalists, to uh, to people. I, I actually was bringing some relatives through Parliament one day and uh, from Ireland, and uh, he he sort of spontaneously acted as an ambassador for Canada with them. So. I'm not surprised to see him in that role if Justin Trudeau need, believes that charm is what's going to solve some of our touchier relations right now, too. He's put a charming man in there. Uh, now, it, we should talk a little bit about uh, the people who are staying in, in their roles, or appear to be, uh, like Finance Minister Bill Morneau, Transport Minister Marc Garneau, uh, the Justice Minister David Lametti, who, of course, replaced Jody Wilson-Raybould. Some people may remember that <laughs> transition uh, that happened uh, earlier this year. Uh, so th- there are some people who are who are staying in in uh, the same spot, at least uh, according to what we're hearing right now. Yes, I'm I'm very interested in uh, Lametti staying where he is because of so many things that are on his agenda. The extradition case with Meng Wanzhou, um, which is you know uh, compromising Canada-China relations at the moment. The continuing questions over SNC Lavalin. Also, remember that the federal government has to come up with um, something new. And Justin Trudeau said this during the campaign on assisted dying. David Lametti was not a fan, or at least not in total support of the bill that 
that came out originally, and uh, some changes to that, I think, are on the agenda. I think uh, Bill Morneau staying at finance, I think, is meant to reassure Bay Street and the markets that the Liberals haven't gone wild in minority. Um, I had actually thought that they were going to take this chance to appoint Canada's first uh, woman finance minister. Right. But they they clearly have stepped out of that. It's interesting you mentioned Jody Wilson-Raybould, because I think her shadow hangs over this cabinet shuffle still, or this cabinet swearing in still. You're not going to say it's Scott Bryson's fault, are you? Uh, No, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I hope we... we, uh, Yeah, another guy who won't be there. Yeah. I, I, Jody Wilson-Raybould, that the way that shuffle happened and, and what happened afterwards, uh, it would leave a mark on this government in in some extent. So you can bet that nobody's been demoted without uh, or or shuffled without some serious consultation, um, because that's one lesson learned. Also, watch for people who have been demoted previously and been good sports about it, to be rewarded for that, right. the anti-Jody Wilson rebels. So Melanie Jolie, uh, taken out of heritage and put into tourism uh, a couple of shuffles ago, uh, watch for her to be back uh, because she was basically the anti-Jody about her demotion. Uh, played uh, played well as a team member, uh, rehabilitated herself, uh, and uh, right now the government wants some strong voices in there from Quebec because of the surge of the Bloc Québécois. So Francois-Philippe Champagne, Melanie Jolie, all of that is meant to send a message to Quebec, but also about the value of being a good team player Hmm. because Justin Trudeau in a minority needs teamwork. Now, just quickly, we should talk about Catherine McKenna, the Ottawa Centre MP, who was, of course, the Environment Minister for the first four years of this government and really was the, bore the brunt of, of the uh, backlash against some of the government's policies uh, in many ways, in, including some well-documented personal attacks. Uh, she apparently is being moved to a role of infrastructure in communities. And we know that one of Jason Kenney, the Alberta Premier's demands of the Trudeau government, was to move her out of the environment portfolio. I'm sure that's not why Justin Trudeau is doing it, but it is interesting to see that, as we've talked about, there will be a new face there and she will have a different role going forward. I'm not surprised she's moving out, uh, that this was taking a toll on her reputation, by extension the government. Uh, on her on her life, um, that uh, that I think this has been extremely difficult. She has become a lightning rod for good or for ill, and for reasons that everybody can speculate on. I wonder whether a, a male environment minister would have taken the kind of personal heat that she's taken. Um, but yes, she is moving into um, a, a role that's that's not uncontroversial itself, being Minister of Infrastructure in a city that is besieged by LRT failure is uh, is a challenge. Mm. The federal government also has to uh, worry about tension with the provinces on infrastructure projects. The federal government has been trying to do finance infrastructure through municipalities, not provinces. And without getting into the, all the details of that. So I don't think her days in the spotlight and in the firing line are over. It's just out of the chief firing line on, on the environment yeah. on this one. I will be. I'm glad you brought that up about Jason Kenney because 
Uh, Justin Trudeau will be at pains today to explain how he made this move in cabinet and is not bending to Jason Kenney's demands. It's right. not common for premiers to demand where people go in cabinet. <laughs> very unusual. All right. We are set for a very interesting day, and of course we'll have extensive coverage today on CPAC. Susan, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Mark. That's Susan Delacourt, Ottawa Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. There could be some big names on the move. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the National Post, John Iveson argues, it doesn't matter who's in Justin Trudeau's cabinet because the political power lies somewhere else. Iveson writes, both cabinet and parliament have been relegated to the role of rubber-stamping decisions taken elsewhere. The prime minister has surrounded himself with advisors of like mind and experience who act like a political praetorian guard. Power is run and retained by promoting the almost presidential brand of the prime minister. In that light, it doesn't really matter all that much who gets what in the great cabinet sweepstakes. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun asks if Justin Trudeau's cabinet will focus on unity issues. The Sun writes, The national fabric has frayed in ways not seen in many years, and Trudeau needs to work to correct it. Will he attempt to corral opposition parties and premiers under his banner, or will he be humble and inch a bit in their direction? It would be a mistake for Trudeau to think words are all that is needed. This isn't about telling people you hear them and that you care about their issues and then walking away and ignoring them. In the Globe and Mail, Robin Urbach argues Canada has lost its voice on human rights in China. Urbach writes, Canada has been conspicuously reserved in responding to the recent violence in Hong Kong. The shift in approach over a rather short time is striking. Two years ago, we were lecturing the Chinese about fair labor practices. Today, we can't muster more than a squeak about violent human rights abuses. If Canada will not or cannot take a stand when it actually matters... It means little for our government to lecture when it doesn't. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. As we've discussed, we're expecting the swearing-in of the new cabinet at 1.30 Eastern time today, followed by comments from the Prime Minister and opposition leaders and members of the new cabinet. We'll have coverage of it all coming up on CPAC and at CPAC.ca. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Wednesday, November 20th. Once again, tune in to CPAC throughout the day today for coverage of the swearing-in of the new cabinet, plus primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.